How's it going, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of Across the Bifrost, where we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. I am your host, Ryan Doze, and today on our Throwback Thursday series, we are breaking down three more issues of Journey into Mystery with a returning guest. Zoe is back to talk Thor comics. They're actually her first comics that she's ever read, so I'm excited to get her point of view on these comics today. Great way that you can help other new people get a hold of the show is by going to iTunes, subscribing, rating us five stars, and then leaving a review about what you like about the show so we can give you more of what you enjoy. And people who enjoy comics and Thor and Marvel, they can see that as well and jump on board the Rainbow Bridge with us. Without further ado, let's jump right into our talk with Zoe and the three latest issues of Journey into Mystery. How's it going, everybody? We are here for this week's Throwback Thursday series. I have brought back a returning guest to break down three more issues of Journey into Mystery with me. I brought back Zoe, one of our low-key episode reviewers to talk some Thor comics with us. Zoe, how's it going today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I am always excited to jump into comics uh, on Thursday, but I'm more excited today to jump into comics with someone who's never really read comics before. So uh, this was your first real digging into comics, from what I understand? Yes, I I have always been one of the one of those fans who love like movies and TV shows and like I love like the you know I love that area of Marvel but I've never I've never had the opportunity um to read the comics just because I never I never really knew about them. So I'm really after reading these I I've found a new love for comics, I'm going to say. <laughs> Okay, these these issues. Okay, um, so uh, yeah, I, we're really glad to have you back to talk some comics and get um, get your first impressions of reading these comics that came out. You know, so so long ago. We are going to jump into Journey into Mystery number ninety two. This issue of Journey into Mystery is entitled. The Day Loki Stole Thor's Magic Hammer. Now, viewers, I, I, I would like to think you might be able to tell what the plot of this issue is about from just the title, the very subtle title uh, in and of itself. This comic came out May of 1963. It features the first appearance, really the first mention of Fricka, or as most Marvel fans will know her better as Frigga. She is referenced in this comic. She is not uh, really seen in this comic, but she is Thor's mother. She is Thor and Loki's mother at this point in Thor comics. This issue of Journey in the Mystery was plotted by Stan Lee, the great editor-in-chief of Marvel. It was written by... Robert Bernstein, you uh, and if you notice in the actual issue, if you're fortunate enough to to read it, uh, the pseudonym that Robert Bernstein used, Robert Burns, shows up in the first uh, first page there. But his full name was Robert Bernstein, and 
we are uh, given art by Joe Sinnott. This, uh, just a little note about the writing and the art here. The writer is the, it's the first time that Larry Lieber has not written alongside his brother for Thor. So we see a different writer on Thor this time. And we still um, do not have Jack Kirby on art. So if you've been following along with our Throwback Thursday series, there have been a few issues so far that were not penciled by the original uh, drawer of Thor, Jack Kirby, and this is one of those issues. A few uh, just little notes uh, from this episode. We will get a few um, tweaks to Thor's power set, and we will dig into those as we go through them. We are going to do our normal style of going through page by page. We'll give you a review of every page, and Zoe and I will give you our thoughts as we go along. So, Zoe, let's jump into page one of Journey into Mystery 92. Like I said, this issue is entitled The Day Loki Stole Thor's Magic Hammer. On the first page, we see kind of a, a scene from later on in the, in the book where Loki has gotten Thor's hammer and Thor is fighting off some enchanted trees. And uh, it's pretty basic splash page just to start and, and yeah okay. go ahead Zoe. i wanted to know what your first impression of this first page that you <laughs> read was well i like i really love how they you know did like a little um little pre like what is gonna happen like kind of like the climax of the comic book you could say or yeah. like the height of it and so it got me like excited like you know thor and loki to that point and so I really, I think that was so cool to see because, you know, I thought, you know, you turn on page one, I thought it would just be like, okay, like, you know, like it just starts the story. But I like how it gives you kind of like a little preview of what's going to happen. And then also I, okay, for also being the first time yeah. of these comic books, I had no idea about Loki or not Loki's, um, Thor's issue. Like if he doesn't have his hammer. For like yeah. 60 seconds he like loses his powers or you know and goes back yeah. to his his thing and, and so i was just like what like he's gonna lose his powers like this first page i was like wait what so like i got even more excited to read it yeah this um just just so you know and maybe some listeners that that haven't caught this just yet that at this point in marvel comics every hero had to have some form of achilles heel they had to have some kind of draw a drawback. And this was Thor's drawback that um, he had all these great, uh, you know, um, mythical powers as long as he was holding on to the hammer. So, uh, and actually through these different issues we're going to break down today, we're going to see a lot of instances where Thor uh, has to work around his whole 60 seconds and he loses his power Achilles heel. So that's a good catch right away. On <laughs> page two, we uh, we don't open up with Loki or Thor. We actually open up with Heimdall. Heimdall, the uh, Asgardian uh, watcher of the Bifrost. And he is uh, he's conversing with Neri, who is a, a one a one-off character that we see, who Heimdall initially is questioning her to see if she might be Loki in disguise. Heimdall actually references 
uh, a time earlier on in Journey into Mystery where Loki slipped past him by disguising himself as a snake. That happened in Journey into Mystery 88 that we reviewed just a few weeks ago. And we see that Neri is, is not Loki in disguise because Loki is tied with these Uru chains to a rock where he's been imprisoned by the other gods of Asgard. The uh, Uru, by the way, is the same metal that Mjolnir, the hammer of Thor, is made up of. So these chains are incredibly strong and they're incredibly uh, useful when trying to detain even someone as powerful as Loki. On page three, we kind of see Loki start to formulate his plan. He, he's trying to think through how he can uh, release himself from these chains and also enact his revenge on Thor. Uh, kind of just at this point, we've even, we, we even know like that is standard Loki stuff. He is <laughs> always looking to get back at Thor uh, for, for being the, the goody two-shoes favorite of all of Asgard. We then kind of, we get a small little side adventure in the next few pages. Pages three, four, and five give us a, a short tale of these gangsters coming in and putting uh, Donald Blake, Thor's alter ego, at gunpoint, saying, "Hey, uh, get these get these bullets out of our boss, and uh, we we won't do anything to you." And Thor, uh, Thor, and Donald Blake outsmart the criminals. And Don Blake turns into Thor. He actually, on page four, he comes up with a great way of defeating them. He, he tapes them to a gurney and then he wraps the hammer uh, uh, to the end of it. And he hurls the, the gurney with the gangsters wrapped to it all the way to the police station. <laughs> and one of the police officers even says, oh, let's just call this Operation Thor. Apparently this is like, uh, this like happens often in New York City when Thor is just taking down gangsters uh, <laughs> that they automatically know that that it's got to be Thor's handiwork. Yeah. Uh, so that oh. little short story kind of just sets the pace for the just just a fun little side quest to begin with. But Zoe, what did you think of this little mini adventure within the issue? Well, like, like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna be repeating myself a lot in this. Um, Absolutely. But since I haven't read comics before, especially like the Thor comics, I had no idea about Thor's like um, alter ego or Achilles heels. What you, what you okay. say? Yeah. I, I had no idea that he had like he he turned into this person. And so when um, he's like, oh, you know, when the the doctor is like, oh, like you know, the bad guys over here. Or, or blah blah blah. Um, when he's like, "Oh, like look over there, like it's Thor," and then he turns yeah, to yeah. Thor like behind that. I was so shocked. I was like, "Wait, what? He's Thor? Like, whoa, yeah. whoa, wait a minute!" <laughs> like it totally caught me off guard. And I just this whole like little like scene was just so funny to me. Yeah. Because first with the robbers going like you know you know fix him or else i was like or else what like what are you gonna do like it was just so funny and then the whole like taping them up to the table like the bad guys were so obedient to yes. you know which they i just, just sat there was, <laughs> which really kind of like shows you like how like people you know like thor is just that mighty you know yeah, yeah. he's like if he tells me to lay on the table to tape me up to it i'm gonna do it you know, I just thought that's so funny. <laughs> so, 
So at the at the end of this ridiculous little scene, we get uh, some some interaction between Jane and Donald Blake um, that is really just uh, consistent with most of the issues we we've read so far. It's Jane not understanding how how can how can Don Blake not be as courageous as Thor? And I'm sure we will we will dig more into Jane and Donald Blake's relationship in the future. But what were you, what was your first impression of Jane and Don Blake's relationship? Now knowing that Don Blake is also Thor, Zoe. Well, I was just it is not the Jane that like I am used to. Um, yeah. because I'm so used to the Jane who's like smart and is this like scientist and like very independent and like just a very like strong woman, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, but in, in these comics, like my first impression, I was just like, oh my gosh, like she's, you know, kind of like that basic, that basic girl, I guess, you know, that's just like, that's with Thor and, you know, and <laughs> It's just also funny knowing that, like, obviously she doesn't know that Thor is actually Dr. Blake. And I just, so it's so funny because she'll just talk about how much she loves Thor in front of him. And he's like, you know, only if you knew kind of thing. And it's, I find it so funny. We, we go quickly to one of the more bizarre, uh, little sequences over the next few pages Thor goes to Norway and he is helping this film crew shoot a film about Vikings and sea monsters and he's able to create storms and go underwater and carry the camera where no one else can carry it and all the while Loki is looking through uh, his supernatural vision to see what Thor is up to to try and find a point where he can to try and find a point where he can get the hammer away from Thor. And on page eight, he's actually able to do it. And Thor falls uh, to the ground. And when the hammer is supposed to return to Thor, it actually returns all the way to Asgard. And the hammer goes and it connects with Loki's chains, his Uru chains, and it breaks the chains, freeing Loki. Now Loki is set on the the people of Asgard and he is putting together a plan to use Thor and his powers through the hammer uh, now in a very nefarious way. So kind of just summing up that movie scene uh, sequence, Zoe, uh, that, I mean, that was crazy, right? Yeah, that was so bizarre because I, I have always had this thought that like only Thor can like, use the use the hammer and like have control over the hammer yeah and to see loki be able to like draw the like the hammer all the way back to asgard like that was that was so crazy for me to see because i didn't know that that was that was even possible yeah and i just it was so bizarre i was like are you i was like whoa are you are you serious? I was like, are you are you kidding? I'm like, this can't be right. Like, what? And then, because then I remember seeing in like the preview part of the comic, like you know that he needs to have his hammer, like yeah, otherwise, like he loses it. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's all the way in Asgard. So then I was like, 
how the heck is he gonna get it back so fast like it was just it was so crazy yeah it, well and, and we actually see we see how thor thor's dependence on odin here because thor doesn't doesn't know what to do now he can't find his hammer and he knows that you know in, in, in a mere amount of time he'll revert back to don blake and then he'll really be uh you know out of luck so odin does something uh that since since the beginning of this run of thor and journey into mystery we have not seen yet odin which I love how this is drawn. Odin literally scoops him up in his hand. I know. <laughs> and Odin, Odin carries Thor to Asgard. Now, I believe this is the first time that Loki has, or that, sorry, that Thor has an extended adventure in Asgard. As up until now, he has really only been on Earth fighting villains and monsters on earth so now we actually get to see thor go to asgard and have an adventure in asgard to go find his hammer when we get to page 10 we see that loki uh loki is still aware of what thor is doing but now he knows that thor is in asgard and the gods are, are too busy with all their other matters that they can't specifically help thor so thor has to go find the hammer on his own, he goes into this enchanted forest and Loki magically manipulates these trees to attack Thor. Thor is trying to fight them off and, and he, he comes up with this ingenious plan. He's gonna, <laughs> even though he can't find his hammer, he's gonna create another hammer. So he comes up with this gigantic, like comically sized wooden mallet and he, he fights off all the trees with the mallet uh, and oh my goodness this uh, this was just so funny because like in my mind I'm thinking okay this is happening in real time like these trees are fighting him and he like Thor is basically like hold on a second let me build myself a weapon yeah. like he builds it and he's like okay now I'm ready to fight like it was just <laughs> I was laughing because I'm like He's in the middle of a bat, and he just met, like you know so quickly builds a hammer. I was like, oh my gosh! I <laughs> he, he's like, he's like, hey tree guys, time out, time out. Yep, no. it's like, hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Trees are like, okay, we've got we've got time, uh, <laughs> and then he just makes short work of them. Uh, Loki also uh, right after that little fight, he he incinerates Thor's wooden hammer right away. To, to you know Thor even says my weapon is burning up as if by magic mm -hmm. uh, and Thor continues his search for Mjolnir he comes across this cliff where he believes that Loki was previously imprisoned because he's trying to you know almost uh, Sherlock Holmes this search for his hammer and Loki is able to turn clouds into dragons to, to fight off Thor that power is is not that's something I'll bet you didn't know Loki could do, right, Zoe? Yeah, I had no idea he could do that. There's so many, honestly, there's so many powers and abilities in these early Thor comics that really only show up once or as like a, um, a, a, a deus ex machina kind of device to get to the victorious end of the issue. Um, but this is one of those powers that Loki has that I, I'm, <laughs> I'm be very surprised if it ever showed up again. But he, he turns these clouds into dragons. And Thor, 
reaches out with his super strength to make a hammer out of the rock that he he believes Loki was tied to. And on page on the last page of the issue, we find out that this hammer that he this impromptu hammer that he made out of this rock was actually the rock itself was an Uru material. So the hammer that he carved out with his hand has all of the magical powers of his original hammer. And then he looks around the other side of the rock after defeating all the dragons and he finds his original hammer. So now, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Thor has two hammers and then he's able to defeat Loki. All the other gods uh, confront Loki and they, they imprison him again uh, for, for almost, I believe, the fourth time up until this point. Thor <laughs> returns to Earth, and then we get a last little panel uh, that has a great joke in it. There's a patient on the table. Uh, this is a while later in Dr. Blake's office. There's a patient on the table, and Dr. Blake is checking his reflexes with one of those little rubber hammers. <laughs> and the patient says, gosh, Doc. Take it easy. You could hurt a guy with that rubber hammer. And Jane says, don't worry, Mr. Jones. Dr. Blake is very experienced in using a mallet. (laughs) And I was like, okay. Uh, The the author of this issue thought they were very clever (laughs) when they they wrote that last line. (laughs) Zoe, give me your first impressions uh, or your your final impressions of the first comic you've ever read. I honestly, I enjoyed it so much um, just because like they, they kept my interest. I love the illustrations, like my favorite, like probably part of like, just cause I thought it was like one of the funniest and most interesting parts of the comic was the whole like movie he was filming. Like yeah. I loved, I loved the, the drawings in that, like when he's like, you know, defe- like taking on the sea monster, but also like, it's not real. So like. Yeah. And he's, like, pretending, like, it's this huge thing and all this stuff. So I thought it was so funny. And then um, the dialogue, like, <laughs> throughout comics, like, I have never, I, like I said, I've never read a comic before. So they really, like, talk out loud, like, what they're doing yes. and, like, all that stuff. So it was, it was so interesting and, like, honestly, just so funny to read. Because I'm like, no one would actually, you know, talk like this in real life. And oh my gosh, it was, (laughs) it was so funny. And then, yeah, honestly. It's perfect 1960s campiness. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun just to like the, the hyperbole and the over-exaggeration of it all. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's good fun. And then, and then there's always Thor just turning random things into hammers. It's yeah. kind of like the, the, the opposite <laughs> reaction of uh, the conversation from Ragnarok, where Odin asks him, are you the god of hammers? <laughs> I mean, according to Journey into Mystery 92, I think Thor is, is also the god of hammers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh so God. we go to issue 93 of Journey into Mystery, our second issue that we're going to break down with zoe today this issue is entitled the mysterious radioactive man and for those of you that have followed along with the throwback thursday series 
you will know that the the red scare and the the underlying theme of communism shows up prevalently in 1960s comics this is another red scare propaganda type issue here where thor is fighting a a chinese communist villain and that villain is chen lu the radioactive man now the radioactive man is a i wouldn't say a mainstay villain for thor but he shows up multiple times and the radioactive man also shows up in other parts of the marvel universe throughout the years he is definitely a villain that was not not a one-off villain uh which may be confusing with how he ends the issue um in his uh, his supposed demise at the end of this issue but chen lu the radioactive man does show up later on in marvel comics this issue came out on June in June of 1963 it was plotted by Stan Lee it was written by Robert Bernstein as well and on art we get the return of Jack Kirby now I'm really excited to look at and break down a Jack Kirby comic again uh, he is just one of my favorite uh, artists when it comes to drawing Thor and his world so we will jump into Page one of The Mysterious Radioactive Man. The splash page that we get on page one is really just a, uh, like Zoe said about the first issue we broke down this episode, it is a preview of a conflict later on in the issue. We see Thor uh, not being able to injure the radioactive man because of his uh, power set. The radioactive man has a, a, a complete... Uh, crazy lineup of powers that we'll learn a little bit more about in the issue. Zoe, when you looked at this first page, this opening splash page, what kind of impression did you get of the comic you were about to read? Well, cause on, on this page, like, um, he is like being like, um, what's it called? Uh, mind controlled. Yes. And I was just thinking like, okay, radioactive man, like that name, like I was thinking, I'm like, okay. Cause <laughs> this now this is gonna be funny because when I think of radioactive waves and stuff like that, like my mind yeah. goes to like microwaves. Okay. It's like I don't know why. It's just like that's that's how I like <laughs> that's how no, I like picture it working. Sure. And so I'm like thinking of like heat and stuff. And so I was just like, wait, me being the blonde I am was like, <laughs> how is he mind controlling if basically he's just like this like kind of like this like microwave guy you know what i mean i was like i don't <laughs> my blonde self was just like what's happening like yeah yeah so i was intrigued i'm like okay mind control this is like i'm ex- i was excited to see how mind control plays into the comic um because i know that you know like loki like does a lot of like mind mind control stuff or type yes stuff like does. that you know and so i was like if he i was thinking like okay i haven't read any of the other comics either so i don't know if he's experienced you know trying to like take on um someone who's like controlling his brain so i was like i i was just super intrigued to see how he was gonna like get over the mind control so that that is one thing that my like mind control and trying to manipulate thor comes up a lot in these early comics because very few of his villains can best him physically. 
Now, in this issue, you were you were talking about the, the subject of, of radioactivity um, in obviously with Chen Lu in this comic. I will say just for listeners out there and um, just a reminder to maybe uh, experienced comic book fans at this point in Marvel Comics, the, the idea of nuclear energy and radioactivity was kind of used as a catch all for powers you really didn't have to explain what the radioactivity led to. I mean, just look at the name of this villain. He's literally just called the radioactive man. And later on, we see him have all of these different powers that are never really explained as to how radioactivity leads to these powers. So it's kind of used, like I said, as a catch-all to give him the, the reason for why he has all these powers. Why does Chen Lu have the... Uh, power to melt bullets because he's the radioactive man that's that's just the reason that's given uh so yeah it's kind of used as a catch-all um at this point in marvel comics uh we see in the first few pages we'll kind of just give a brief summary of this first little act thor uh well donald blake is on a humanitarian mission in india where the Indian army is fighting against the uh, Communist Party in China, and Thor shows up uh, after the, the Communist forces attack the Indian army. Thor shows up, and he actually strings a bunch of tanks together and throws them with the hammer uh, <laughs> back over to the, to the Indian army so they can you know reuse the tanks. And then there is a, a point where Thor causes a monsoon to happen and he he silences and quiets the uh, Chinese army. Uh, I just want to give a reminder for those of you that may be reading along or you're looking at images from these comics later on. Depictions of communist characters at this time are incredibly, uh, I'm just going to say insensitively drawn. Um, they were They were written to be as menacing and uh, almost demonizing as possible. So you're, you're really not going to find that many sympathetic communist characters. Uh, and the way, just a personal opinion of mine, the way that uh, the Chinese characters are drawn in this comic um, was not a, should not have been appropriate at the time. And it definitely would not be appropriate today. So um, that is just something to be aware of as you're reading old comics um, that taste and artistic expression changed with times and uh, in my opinion mostly for the better so uh zoe what did you think of this first little act here where we get thor fighting against uh, the these uh, chinese communist tanks and then causing this giant thunderstorm to essentially drown them out well honestly like okay right away when i was reading this scene um it was really interesting for me because I have always known Thor to fight, you know, more of like the space and, you know, like alien type enemies so yeah, yeah. and like um, these magical beings. Because usually when I think of like um, a superhero, like fighting, you know, terrorists and any sort of like military of any sort, I always go to like Iron Man and Captain America. Yeah. So like it really gave me those kind of feels, but it was, it was interesting to see Thor fight in this type of scene. Um, so like, I thought that was interesting, like right off the start. Um, and also like, I love how 
um, you know, Thor was like, he would do like one thing or whatever. And he's like, oh, that should take care of it. And then when he gets back to like the base after he like throws the, throws the tanks, they're like, oh, well, you know, that's not going to hold them forever. Like, yeah, we got a couple tanks, but that doesn't mean they don't have more or that they're going to come after us again. And it was just funny because he's like, oh, like, well, I can slow them down, you know? And like, he doesn't like completely take them out, but he does some serious damage. And I thought that was pretty cool. They, they might require minor repairs, but they'll be they'll be fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. Don't worry about you guys have like a while yeah. until they catch up and, you know, like I, regroup. I just gifted you four or five tanks. Maybe don't be so picky. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we we then jump to uh, the 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 Chinese uh, the communist side of this conflict where the generals are uh, generals and the emperor are all speaking uh, about how they're going to solve the problem of Thor. How are they going to combat this uh, Western hero? And it falls the responsibility of conquering and defeating Thor falls down to a scientist named named Chen Lu who conducts all these experiments using nuclear power and he decides that he is going to himself become the radioactive man that he can only trust himself he he is he is uh, he's treated his body over time to be able to deal with the effects of radiation and he conducts this experiment on himself turning him into the radioactive man and on on page seven we see his transformation he becomes this green-skinned uh hulking figure and he actually destroys his entire laboratory because he doesn't want his research to fall into the hands uh, of anybody else but himself he's a he's a greedy very self-interested villain and we actually get this cool little panel of him standing amidst the flames of his burning laboratory with this you know villainous smile and we we get to see the generals of the communist army say you know are you gonna be able to do this and uh chen lu assures them that he can conquer and defeat the mighty thor so, Zoe, your first introduction to a, a real, a new supervillain, because uh, you kind of had a, an impression of Loki beforehand. Your first impression of Chen Lu, the radioactive man. I would love to get your thoughts on him. Well, like right away, I was just like, this is a classic villain. Because he, like, and what I mean by that is he, he wants to be all-powerful, And because when he's like talking about how, you know, he's like, you know, who should I turn into radioactive man? He's like, me, of course, duh. He's like, why would I give someone else powers? Like that's, you know, he was being very like selfish of like wanting those powers for himself. And I was just like, that's a classic villain. And one of the lines like in, you know, when he's off to go, you know, become radioactive man, um, you know, the generals and stuff are like, you know, like, good luck, um, Chen Lu or whatever. And he's like, I need no luck. And I was like, that <laughs> line right there. I'm like, that's, that's his biggest mistake. Because one, he's taking on Thor. And two, every villain that says that I feel like always just like ends up losing, yeah, <laughs> no matter exactly. what. So like this whole like, transformation and stuff I was like, this is a classic villain, who, you know, like, 
I just was like this I yeah just he's a classic villain and I I was very intrigued and the whole transformation I thought was pretty cool too like the illustrations and everything and um yeah and and it was honestly kind of smart um for him to like destroy the lab right I thought that was such a smart move because I'm like because I always think about like Captain America how like you know they have the serums and stuff all out all the time and like that's a whole situation but yeah um I just I loved how smart it was for him to destroy the lab so he's like the only radioactive man and no one else can like become one too yeah. we're clearly not we're clearly not uh seeing a villain that is unintelligent he's very calculated in the way that he wants to defeat thor and we see his next move on page eight and nine where a chinese submarine floats very close to the east coast of the u.s and they fire an empty uh, torpedo shell with the radioactive man inside it and (laughs) um there's the kind of that 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 other uh what zoe just mentioned that arrogance about him where uh, one of those the naval officers of the submarine says good luck on your mission and he says i need no luck i am invincible <laughs> now just, yeah. just go ahead and fire the torpedo so chen lu shows up in new york city and he's walking around no one wants to mess with him and he's walking around very obviously um through through customs and past police officers no one's willing to mess with him. The police officers even try to shoot him with bullets, and the bullets just melt as they get closer and closer to him. Machine guns don't work, and they, they want to know, why are you here? What is your end goal here? And Chen Lu says, I want Thor. Give me Thor. And we find out that the reason why Thor can't show up right away is because Don Blake is in the middle of a life-and-death surgery <laughs> and it takes about an hour for him to get out of this surgery. And there's this little line that he says to himself. He says, uh, I, I, have, I have successfully know, uh, operated and gotten through this life and death situation. And then he thinks to himself, now I must tackle another life and death matter. This mm-hmm. mysterious person called the radioactive man. I must change into Thor at once. And uh, then he does one of his uh, transformation uh, scenes. But we don't get to see it because he goes to a deserted room in the hospital and he turns into Thor and he goes off to defeat the radioactive man. Uh, so the first few beats of this fight are Thor figuring out that his powers don't really work on Chen Lu in the obvious ways because any phys- any type of like physical touch he tries to do against the radioactive man does not work. And Chen Lu tries to hypnotize Thor, and that works to a degree. But then he, Chen Lu tells him to drop the hammer, th- throw the hammer away from him, and Thor throws it like to the bottom of. We find out later he throws it to the bottom of a river, and Chen Lu almost has one of those like those Homer Simpson like dope moments where he says, "He says, idiot, did I did I say to throw it so far?" Now I must go search for it. Curse it. I thought that was so funny because I'm like, that is literally so me. Like, if someone were to, like, you know, like, I just, like, I think back to when I'm, like, playing 
you know, with my siblings and stuff and they throw something too far and I have to like go get it. I'm like, yeah. oh, come on, you guys, like seriously, like uh, whatever. Like, and then he goes off and like tries to get it. I literally thought that moment was one of the funniest in that whole comic because I'm like, that's seriously so me. It was so funny. He like he takes that simple instruction and he just takes it the the literally the extra mile and he throws the hammer way out of Chen Lu's reach. We <laughs> we see that because the the hammer is away from Thor now, he turns back into Don Blake, his secret identity. And then who do you, you know? A little while later, who do you know? The radioactive man comes walking up the street and he sees Don Blake and he's like, "Hey, have you seen Thor?" And Don Blake sends him on a misdirection, and uh, he radioactive man continues to menace the streets as he's looking for this giant hammer. Blake and, goes, go oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say I thought it was really cool how like okay like the radioactive man's powers like affected Thor, but when he went back to Don Blake, I like how like he wasn't mind controlled anymore, and he yeah, was able yeah. to like focus on finding the hammer and stuff and. Like, I thought that was, like, a really cool twist to the story. Because I figured that, like, okay, if Thor's hypnotized, like, it, you know, like, he's hypnotized. Like, even as Don Blake, like, he's going to be mind-controlled or something. But it was really cool to see that, no, he, he, you know, had complete control of his mind again. A lot of times, that is actually how Thor and Don Blake get around the the attempts at mind control there's something about the transformation that kind of resets their brain uh so yeah that's it's it's a really really convenient way that turning into don blake is actually a plus and so 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 then okay so if it's like resetting his mind so then when he like turns back into thor that's why he's not hypnotized anymore exactly okay because i was confused during that part yeah, it's it's not like a it's not like a press pause, press play kind of thing. It's a complete like uh it's like a reset. Gotcha. So, okay. So yeah, so that's why it works and that's why turning back into Don Blake is often, you know, times in those situations of mind control, it's really beneficial for Thor to do that. Cuz now Don Blake on, on on page 12, he goes back to his office and he's like, "Okay, Chen Lu's looking for the hammer. I need to be looking for the hammer too. He he just quickly within a few hours, he rigs up this x-ray machine that can that can find things anywhere within a 10-mile radius. And, Gosh okay. darn it, that's convenient. Yes, seriously. <laughs> and the two, okay, during this part, two things were running through my mind. One, okay, just the fact that radioactive man is just loose for like hours. And, like, you know, he's not doing, like, a lot of horrible stuff. Because, obviously, like, nothing. Like, Thor has, like, this time to just, like, build this. I was like, are you kidding? Like, a couple hours? Like, it's kind of like in that last comic where, you know, he's like, hold on a second. Like, yeah. give me a second to do this. And <laughs> I just, I was, like, <laughs> I was like, for a couple hours. Because even when he was in surgery, I'm like, radioactive man's just waiting for an hour. Like, I'm sorry. If I was a villain... I would be so impatient. I'd be like, you know what? If he's not showing up, I'll come back tomorrow type thing. But um... <laughs> even even Don Blake has this line where Jane's like, hey, the radioactive man's like wreaking havoc on the whole city. What what do you think Thor's going to do? And Don Blake has this great misdirect. He's like, well, 
there's nothing I can do about it, Jane. For me, it's business as usual. I'm like, this yes. is business as usual? <laughs> like, what? Like, like giant radioactive communists like are this common? Like, <laughs> they, we, we, we end up then seeing Don Blake go to the river because he knows that the hammer's at the bottom of the river now and he does this diving sequence. Uh, he can almost reach the hammer, but then obviously he does reach the hammer. He turns back into Thor and the conclusion of this comic happens so quickly because we were on the second to last page and he still had, didn't have the hammer. And on the last page, he finds it he goes to the to you know this this vague west side of New York. He finds Chen Lu. He wraps him up in a, like a tornado, and he sends him all the way back to China. And then we see this giant mushroom cloud, and we're led to assume that the radioactive man perishes in the explosion. We get back to Don Blake's office, and uh, <laughs> Jane says, "Imagine." While you were here doing your routine work in the lab, <laughs> the mighty Thor, the mighty Thor, saved all of us. And Tom's <laughs> like, "Well, Jane, you know it is. You know how it is. We can't all be heroes." And I, that part, I was just like, "That's a great way to end the comic." Because seriously, like, it's just so funny how like she has no clue, and he's like. Man, like if, because it's almost like she's kind of giving him crap for like you know oh, not she's totally doing much. Doing that. Yeah, and it's just so funny because I'm like that is Thor, but like, oh, it's just, oh my gosh! It, what I get is why is Jane written so hurtfully? <laughs> like, for, honestly, yeah, <laughs> she's kind of she's kind of a bully because like Don Don Blake is this crippled doctor who saves people's lives, and the one problem she has with him is that he's not Thor. Yeah, for like, real. He is, he's he's gone through all the painstaking, you know, like he he's got his medical degree. He's a he's a an aspiring practitioner with his office. He can create, you know, x-ray machines that find things 10 miles away. He's doing all this while he's crippled and she's like, "Yeah, it's not good enough." <laughs> like you're you're not this super hunky guy with a hammer who saves the world all the time. So, yeah, uh, I give you no credit. Yep. <laughs> My goodness. So that does it for Journey into Mystery 93, the mysterious radioactive man. We come to the last issue of our Throwback Thursday series today, Journey into Mystery number 94. It is very dramatically uh, t entitled Thor and Loki Attack the Human Race. So... Uh, Zoe, give me your, like, when you were going into this issue specifically, before we kind of break down the authors and, and the first appearances, what, when you read just that title, what, what did you think you were getting into when you read that title initially? When I read that title initially, I thought to myself, I was like, one, I got so excited because I'm like Loki and Thor working together. Like, oh, I love those moments, like from the movies and stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, they're going to, you know, they're going to get closer or something, you know. Maybe we'll see some, like, um, you know, development in their relationship or whatever. And I'm like, oh, they're going to, like, get together to work for something, like, good or something, you know. Like, 
Um, I thought Loki was gonna get past like being the mischievous Loki that he is, and like, I don't know, like do I something re- good. Yeah, like I was like Loki's gonna do something good, and I'm like, yay! Like we want to see the good part of Loki, but eh, not eh, so much. that's not what we got. <laughs> so this issue came out in July of 1963. There are really no, uh, there's really no first appearances at all. This comic uh includes all characters that we're, we're somewhat familiar with at this point the plot was again done by stan lee the writer was robert bernstein we've gotten three issues of robert bernstein stories here and the art goes back to joe sinnott uh, as opposed to the last issue with jack kirby we're back to joe sinnott art there is one note that listeners uh you, you should just know as you're following along with this issue this is the first issue of Journey into Mystery that Jane Foster does not appear in ever since her uh, first appearance in Journey into Mystery 84. So she has been in, you know, nine straight issues, but she does not appear in this issue. So we don't get any, uh, any uh, basic melodrama in this issue. Um, so <laughs> jump into page one. And we kind of see uh, Thor and Loki having a very chummy, friendly conversation, uh, which is not something we're used to. And we see uh, one individual in the crowd running away and he's yelling, run for your lives. Thor is no longer humanity's protector. He has joined forces with the evil Loki to destroy mankind. So there's kind of our, our uh, theme for the issue right there. In the first few pages, we see a nuclear missile test uh, happening in space. We see that the electronics don't work on this missile. Uh, they wanted to, to they wanted to explode the missile in space, but the the electronics aren't working. So the U.S. government patches themselves through to Donald Blake, who turns into Thor, flies into space, and he destroys this missile before it can come back down to earth and cause more destruction uh, on on the ground. We see all along the way as Thor is chasing after this missile that Loki is, he was behind the, the failed electronics on the missile. He is trying to find a way to get free from his imprisonment on Asgard. And he's gonna do it in a way that makes Thor suffer as well. And uh, on the fourth page, we actually see Loki drain himself of all of his power so that he can slightly budge the hammer as it's returning to Thor. He distracts Thor with a, an illusion of a giant dragon, always with the dragons. Uh, Loki, always with the dragons. I know. I was like, is this like his, is it like his favorite animal or something going on? Like, I don't, I was like, what's with the dragons, dude? Like, can you think of something else? Like, Loki, Loki was that kid in high school who went through the dragon phase. He, yep. he, he read Aragon a little too early. Um, and he, he distracts, he distracts Thor with this illusion of a dragon. And as the hammer is returning to Thor, it smacks him in the back of the head. And these are Loki's thoughts uh, that I'm just going to read off the page here to explain what happens to Thor. Loki says, my diversion worked. 
Thor clutches his head in agony as he reaches out for the hammer, which bounces off of his helmet. That means I timed the incident so perfectly that the hammer hit his chronosomatic gland, which determines and changes personalities. Gee, I wonder why Thor and Loki would be working together in this issue now. Yes. <laughs> so we see that Thor's entire personality has changed. So at this point in the issue, we're at page five, Zoe. When you see that Thor's personality is going to completely change, wh- where did you think we were headed next? Um, like, okay. I was, okay. Like, I was thinking, you know, his personality changed, meaning that, you know, I was expecting him to just change his mind kind of on how, you know, he thinks of Loki as an enemy. Um, Like, of his own volition? Like, nothing would have happened or mind control or nothing? He's just going to do that, make that decision on his own? Yeah. Okay. If that makes sense. I don't... Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. So we, we head off into this bizarre world where Thor and Loki are going to be friends now. And Thor returns to Asgard. And as he's flying back across the Bifrost Bridge, Heimdall yells out, Thor, why have you returned to Asgard? And Thor's response is so mean. He just says, none of your business. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, because I know, like, their relationship's, like, really good. Like, you know, Handel yeah. looks up to Thor. And so it was just, like, you know, that that initial, like, something's wrong. I loved that because, yeah. oh my gosh, when he was mean to him, I'm like, oh, I was kind of, like, defensive of Handel. I was like, excuse me, like, what? <laughs> and then he punches him right in the face. I know, and I'm like, what are you doing? Thor and so this is where I started to realize I'm like okay like it's no longer like a change of mind or change of heart type situation where he's like gonna be friends with Loki I'm like Thor's a bad guy now great cool Thor Thor goes full jerk in this in this yes yes so (laughs) we 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 see Thor go and under the powers of, uh, of of his this personality change he is He's convinced that Loki is a good guy and that he must be loyal to Loki. So Loki has him free him from his uh, Uru shackles. And then Thor, Loki, Odin, and the rest of the Norse gods have this standoff on page seven where Odin knows that Loki is up to no good. But he, he knows that Thor has been changed in some way. And he's so mad at Loki, he actually in one panel, he tries to choke Loki out. And Thor intervenes, getting Odin away from him. And Loki makes a deal with Odin. Because Odin, at this point in Journey into Mystery, he loves humanity so much. He loves Earth, or, or Midgard, as it's sometimes referred to in these early issues. Loki says, okay, Thor and I, because we're buddies now, we're going to go down to Earth and we're going to mess things up until you give up the rulership of Asgard to us. So he puts an, an ultimatum in Odin's court. And Odin, the last little panel here on page eight, gives us Odin's thoughts on the 
the whole situation. He says, now his, his nature, Thor's nature, has become the opposite of his former self, undoubtedly because of some of Loki's evil magic. But how could Loki have wrought such a terrible change? I must ponder. So, as Odin ponders, we go to Earth. Uh, actually, before we go to Earth, we have to talk about this one panel on page eight where Thor and Loki are getting ready to fly away. And Zoe, how does Loki fly away with Thor? Do you remember this panel? I, I really don't. He hops on his back piggyback style. Yeah, okay. Yep. And he, I remember. He, the rest of the issue is is Loki riding around on Thor's back. <laughs> Which I was like <laughs> it was It was the best. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh my gosh. We so we see them flying around or like like he's pretending to like Loki's like this like mischievous like powerful like he thinks he's so powerful and stuff but like the 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 image of him on thor like riding around on thor like it's just like he's like a little kid it's just this is something that my five-year-old asks me to do this is not something like yes grown-up brothers should do (laughs) exactly it was so weird and just so so random but it was pretty funny as we see loki Riding around on Thor's back and Thor flying around Earth. Thor is causing all these terrible things to happen. Tsunamis, volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, floods. He causes uh, monuments like the Taj Mahal, the Eiffel Tower, uh, the pyramids, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge, things like this to, to shatter and fall over. Thor and Loki are on this just rampaging uh streak of of crimes and destruction and we even get on page 11 they they turn buildings into these illusions or these creatures like the pier the sphinx comes to life and runs down the streets of cairo loki turns normal whales into these giant sea serpents and this is one of my favorite ones (laughs) they perform simpler feats such as awakening prehistoric behemoths in museums. <laughs> I love that resurrecting dinosaurs is stated <laughs> as a simple feat. Yes. <laughs> like that doesn't seem so simple to me, but okay. I know an entire franchise of Jurassic Park movies that would disagree with them. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you think of these, these panels that we get of Thor and Loki going throughout the world just causing you know, wanton destruction and mischief wherever they go. Well, it was just, I was like, like, okay, like if he wanted to get a bigger rise out of Odin, like I feel like they would have gone more after like people and stuff like that rather than like large populated areas instead of just like buildings and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it just was like, it was interesting and then it I was it it was kind of fun to see like all the ways they were like destroying these monuments. But then I'm like, whoa, like I was started to think like how would how is this gonna be fixed? Because these are like exactly huge things in like Earth's 
you know, like our human like history. You know what I yeah. mean? So it, it was just bizarre. And yeah. it definitely does set up one of those things where like, okay, we're on page eleven. This yeah. gets resolved on page 14. How in the world are they going to do this? Exactly. I'm like, I only have a couple pages left here. Like, <laughs> this better be solved the right way. And, and well. we destroyed a lot of stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> this is a lot of destruction. And that's another thing, too, is I'm like, holy cow, like, so much destruction is happening. I'm like, where's Odin? Like, okay, dude. Like, shouldn't so... you be popping up soon? Like... This, oh I'm glad you mentioned that because what happens in these last few pages is legitimately like I, I don't mean to to be too uh, hyperbolic about this, but I thought this little bit of writing we get in the last few pages was pretty awesome because as these these destructive things are happening, Loki and Thor are approached by a group of UN representatives, United Nations representatives, who wave the white flag of surrender and they want to talk with Thor and Loki about how they can make make all this go away. How can they can appease Thor and Loki? And they take them to the UN building. Thor is standing actually in front of the UN sigil and he turns around and he smashes it with the hammer. And then as he's turning around, Thor plummets through a trap door. Now, Zoe, you may not be familiar with this, but trapdoors have showed up quite a few times in Thor's history already. So I think Thor's just like bad with doors uh, <laughs> at this point. He falls through a lot of them. And uh, as he's falling, <laughs> the, the hammer is levitating in, uh, in midair and then it drops onto Thor, the back of Thor's head which resets his brain again turning him into the heroic thor then we see these ambassadors slowly start to take off their disguises because a few panels before we were told there were un representatives but they were also experts in norse mythology i'm like okay why would a bunch of United Nations ambassadors be all, why would all of them be experts in Norse mythology? Yeah. And then, I like, when they oh, said that, I was like, this is, I was like, okay. Like, that's it. That's very convenient. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is very convenient. Yeah. Like, that. that's exactly how, like, what I was thinking. I'm like, okay. This, I was like, this is, I knew it wasn't going to, like, end well for, like, their little scheme. Like, oh my gosh, it was just. Because, because so what, what Zoe's alluding to is we get to see these ambassadors slowly take off their disguises. And we see that underneath the disguises are all the Norse gods of Asgard. And they have. They, they came to Earth to stop Loki's scheme and to bring back the heroic Thor that they know. As Loki tries to escape, Thor bonks him on the head with the hammer and Odin tells the rest of the gods to seize him as he is confused. And then uh, he, here is how the explanation of... Here's how the explanation of how the buildings and all the monuments get rebuilt. Uh, Thor asks forgiveness of all humanity 
and he vows to repair all the damage that's been done to the planet. Everything shall be as it once was. And then Odin, mercifully, he wipes the memories of, of the minds of men to basically make it as if the actions of Loki and Thor had never happened. And then we get kind of a, a cool little closing uh, page where Thor asks forgiveness uh, for, you know, what, you know, what he wasn't able to stop. And Odin has a great little bubble here that he says to his son, do not fret, my son, no matter how strong or how sly evil may be, there will always be a champion to challenge and defeat it. A champion such as mighty Thor, noblest of the gods, protector of humanity. The end. I so, love Oh, that ending just like hit my heart so good. I was like, that yeah. is so cute. Like what a good like so father cute. son moment, you know. Yeah. It just made my heart happy. I was like, okay, like yeah, I love this. Yeah. It it really so it really did in it came together in a really good ending where you you got to know a little bit more about Odin in this issue. Uh, because up until now, Zoe, we had not really seen a lot of character development out of Loki, or about of, out of Odin himself, and now really Odin's the one. Him and the other gods of Asgard—they're the ones that saved the day. Yeah, honestly. they're the ones that interjected themselves and, and and got Thor back on track. So, Zoe, I gotta know—we read three issues of Journey into Mystery comics that are like way older than we are. How <laughs> did? How, what was your first impression of reading these comics and maybe some of your final thoughts as we close out this throwback Thursday? Well, honestly, like my first impressions of reading like all these comics, I was like, they were, it, I just love how easily like I was able to read them and like how entertaining they like truly are. Like yeah. they really build the suspense, you know, and they really, they really make you think like, oh my gosh, well, what's going to happen next? How are they going to resolve this? And you know, it was, it was really, it was a really cool experience. And I'm honestly like super, I'm actually kind of excited to read more comics. Um, and also one thing that like, I didn't get to mention um, before, yeah. was I saw that all of these comics, um, of course, are plotted by Stan Lee. Yes. And uh, I love Stan Lee with all my heart. And, you know, I really reading these comics, I could, I could, I could tell that Stan Lee like wrote these just yeah. because of like the humor that was in them and, you know, the little jokes and, um, just like the crazy, the crazy, you know, scenes that would happen. Like, I was like, this is so Stan Lee. Like, <laughs> I yes. was, it, was, yes, it, it was just awesome to see how like he incorporated like his personality kind of in the comics. Yes. Then, yeah. Yeah. I just I loved it so much. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I hope maybe we can get you back on Throwback Thursday sometime in the future, fans uh, and listeners. Uh, if you really enjoyed these issues as Zoe did, let us know on social media, and we can talk more about Journey into Mystery there. Zoe, thank you for joining us for this week's Throwback Thursday. Have a great rest of your night. Thank you so much.
That does it for the show today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed our latest installment in the Throwback Thursday series. I want to thank Zoe for stopping by and talking Journey into Mystery with us today. As a reminder, you can always help out the show by going to iTunes and Spotify, giving us a subscription on iTunes specifically. Give us five stars and a review. Tell us what you're enjoying about the show so we can give you more of the things that you enjoy on social media, you can follow us at Across the Bifrost on Instagram and on Twitter. We are at Across Bifrost. Everybody, I hope you're enjoying these Throwback Thursday episodes. They really are a deep dive into the history of Thor, and we get some wacky laughs and fun writing as a result of looking back into these issues. We cannot wait for the next time that we jump aboard the Rainbow Bridge with you. Have a great rest of your day, and remember, stay worthy.